0: Hello and welcome back to Project 21, the Manchester United Academy Series. Kieran, I'm pleased to say you're back with me today, my academy expert. How are you doing, mate?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, it's been weird without um, football this week. I know internationals, but as an Irish fan, we don't really have much to get excited about. I think I got overjoyed that we actually scored a goal this week, so... It's nice to be able to talk a little bit about United, especially when it's not the first team losing. Kieran, don't
0: be greedy, mate. You scored a goal yesterday, so as an Irish fan, mate, you have to be grateful for that. We oh, scored two goals, actually. It's like London buses, mate. You wait ages for one, and all of a sudden, the second one comes comes across. So, guys, we're we still to lose.
1: Today. Say again, mate, and we still lose.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> today, guys, we're at the live today. So if you're in the, if you're watching us, jump over to YouTube, get involved in the in the conversation. Like I said, this is called Project Twenty One. It's our academy series. We do we've done one of these shows already here, and I think we aim to do one a month, don't we? Where we look at all the issues and the topics around the Manchester United academy, and we look at how some of the youngsters. Are getting on. If you haven't had a chance to see our first one, go and check that out. That's available on, on this platform and also on your platform as well, isn't it? Here in the Hall of Sports podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, so get involved, guys, and chat with us. Obviously, today we want to talk about the news that broke yesterday about Nicky Butt's departure fr- from Manchester United and, well, very sudden departure, which we'll talk about a little bit more. So get in the comments and let us know what you think about th- that we'll obviously get round to those and read a couple of those out. But Kieran, let's start off with just talking about Nicky Butt and his sort of impact at Manchester United and mainly on the academy. I know you've spoken at length about this in the past, probably multiple times. You're probably fed up about talking about Nicky Butt. <laughs> you know, I've seen loads of great pods that you've done. You've had guests somewhere where they've talked to you about, about it as well. But just sum it up for us, Kieran. Like, what has his impact been at United in the nine years that he's been here and what has he done for the academy?
1: Well, his impact was great because it came at a time when something had to change because we there was a period of time basically around when Ferguson left that the academy's structure kind of dissipated and there wasn't really a lot there and it was a big problem because, again, what was happening was we basically forgot where we were and we didn't we just didn't continue what we had done under Ferguson for the last decade and more and they were crying out for some help we were seeing some of our young players go across to Manchester City some of our ex pros their sons playing for Manchester City and looking at some of the under 18s and under 23s at the time it was very rare to see them play quite well like it's Kind of amazing that in those sides that we did get a couple of players that came through like Marcus Rashford because really when you looked at those teams at the academy level, it wasn't that great. Um, so basically what Nicky Book came in was to he came in to try and stabilize it. Now, when he joined the academy, he was already coaching um at Manchester United. So that was yeah. kind of the first step. So it was kind of a surprise move to shift him from coaching into kind of the head of the academy or i think at that time it was the head of youth development or player development um so his job initially was to try and improve some of the the teams and there wasn't much that he could do early on and over the next couple of years their whole idea was to build a new process to where there was a lot of good young players coming through basically to get manchester united's academy to be back to best in class again yeah. and it's something that they forgot to do for a while and that's why if you actually look through it it was roughly i think he joined in about 2013 now he was basically running the academy by himself for about three years until nick cox who was the head of the academy of sheffield united came in and that's when you started to see a lot of the progress so you can see for those first couple of years, one or two players, I think, joined the academy. I think the most notable one was probably Timothy fosso Um, But then in 2016, you start to see kind of a lot of the bigger name players that we kind of know now yeah. through the academy where they've started to come true. And you've seen kind of this past kind of summer transfer window where the most amount of players have actually come through. And it's something that really needed to happen for quite a while. They needed to both develop their own players, which we've kind of seen because you've seen it, even the likes of Scott McTominay is one very key example where I don't think anybody thought that he would make the Manchester United first team when looking at him in the academy. Um, A lot of people were surprised that when a lot of those players got to play under Jose Mourinho, I think it was in that last game against Crystal Palace, that he was actually one of the few that stuck because it was one of those where people actually just thought that, well, they're just playing a lot of academy players. He's come in here. that That's really much it. But he's able to build it up for himself. And you have to hand that to Nicky. But we've seen a lot of players come through under his time. We've mentioned a few. Marcus Rashford, there's Scott McTominay, Mason Greenwood, you also have to look at Dean Henderson because he was the first one to kind of really – he promoted Dean Henderson up to kind of the under-18s before sending him off on loan. We have the same thing with Axel Tu and And then, look, we can talk about some of the players that are currently out on loan that are performing quite well. But you have to give a lot of credit to him because he came into the job when really it wasn't that – it wasn't a very luxurious job for somebody to come in because it was forgotten for a couple of years. And we could see a lot of the other teams around the Premier League kind of improve their academies while United didn't really do anything with theirs. They thought they were good enough to just let it go when a lot of scouts left. A lot of the processes that they used to have were gone. And that's something that he rebuilt. And then, like I said, along with Nick Cox coming in in 2016 you now see an academy that's thriving in this problem and look you look at some of the standings for the under 18s and under 23s and united are excelling and this player is being pushed up into the first team and some other players that have gone on loan that have played very well this season too yeah no exactly and look i've just got a comment coming here
0: from alan which sort of takes us on to what we're going to talk about next um, anyone who's worked in a professional environment knows that if you want to progress either get promoted or you have to decide it's time to leave but did a great job but he wants to advance and his route was blocked and that's what I want to sort of come on to next Kim, this idea that maybe his route has been blocked and in terms of obviously look it was only 24 hours ago since this news broke sort of well, just over 24 hours ago and and it's it's sort of with Manchester United, like any news, the rumours start swirling around. There's been all sorts of rumours going around. But one of them is that he's obviously been left disappointed that he wasn't maybe considered for some of these new roles that we know United have created in the last couple of weeks we've talked about on Red Devils Talk, you know, the director of football role, the technical director role that Darren Fletcher's got. Um, Do you think there's something in that, Kieran? Can you understand that he may feel like he should have maybe been given an opportunity at those roles. And if he hasn't, that's why he might be looking to move on.
1: Yeah, I, I am a little bit surprised. I, I think when we were talking about this on the podcast on Red Devils Talk, maybe about six months ago. That, oh, what happened there? <laughs> about, six mo- about six months ago. Um, that I thought that Nicky But was actually a chance to become... The director of football because of the way he actually was one of the key forces turning around the academy system and look that's the basis for any football club when you see these sporting directors and the director of football that's where they start so yeah. that's that was the logical choice for me i completely understand and i actually really agree with that point that came up because i even said it with john murtab that People were complaining that it was an inside hire, that it was somebody within the club. But look, that's kind of what I was getting at as well, that you want to promote people that have done a good job at your club. You don't want to always have to go outside because then it shows that the people that are there, that you're never going to get an opportunity. But yeah, essentially what ends up happening is, look, Nicky Butt was basically heading up the academy for three years. He brings in Nick Cox, who him and Nicky Butt worked really well hand in hand. But once you once you change your structure to where you have a director of football, who will basically deal with a lot of the transfers and a lot of the player development, um, and you have your technical director coming in, essentially you're limiting the amount of work that Nick, Nicky But can do. Because you already have Nick Cox, who was kind of the head of development or head of the academy, working alongside Nicky But. So a lot of the work that's gone in has come from Nick Cox as well. He, he's been one of the better hires that I think United have made over the last kind of six or seven years. Yeah. So unfortunately, I think Nicky Butt was at the point of where you can either accept to just stay in the role you're at, where you're not going to have as much responsibility as you did before. Your job is the same, but there's more people that you have to kind of talk to about stuff. Um, so then he had to decide, look, when that happens, do you want to stay there or do you want to move on and try and progress your career? And look, I don't blame Nicky Buffer for, for moving on because I w- the, the most interesting one, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, is what Pathy goes. Does he really want to become a technical director? Does he want to become a director of football or does he want to go back into coaching? That's the biggest difference because if I, I feel if Nicky Buffer goes back into coaching, and when I mean coaching, I don't mean like in academy systems. I mean in like a championship or league one club or something like that. Well, then he's going in a completely different path than what he had at Manchester United because what what he'd be looking at there is you're, you want to become a manager and you want to continue your managerial career, which is where he started. That's the reason he was initially hired back at Manchester United. So it will be interesting. I completely understand it, but... Look, at the end of the day, these decisions have to be made. They're usually quite ruthless that there's not really a lot of yeah. kind of intention there that with big clubs, they don't really care about people's feelings, that they want to try and <clears throat> to get the best people involved. They felt that it was Darren Fletcher and Nick Cox. Personally, I think it probably would have been better if it was, or sorry, Darren Fletcher and John Murtagh. It might have been better if it was um, if it was Nikki Budd and John Murta, But again, the rumours are that they didn't really see eye to eye or they didn't have the best working relationship. That doesn't yeah. mean that they were always fighting with each other, but that could have been a reason why he wasn't even interviewed or for the job because maybe they knew that's not a great fit. So they went to Darren Fletcher instead. So then Nikki Budd doesn't really have much of a choice.
0: Look, it's, it's really
1: interesting, and we'll
0: get on to talking about their relationship, you know, John Murtagh and Nikki Butt in a minute, Kieran, because, you know, let's not forget, these are two people that have worked really well together for seven years, Kieran. You know, John Myrtle. We, we know Nikki Butt was at the club before John Myrtle come, um, and obviously since John Myrtle has been here for seven years, as far as we know, that's been a good working relationship, it must be. I mean, you don't work with somebody for seven years if, it, if it's not right, and I think you said on the... Red Devils show the Red Devils talk show we did on, on on the new positions that you know somebody must be doing something right here to be given you know these positions at the end of the day and the, the fact that under different managers as well people like Nicky Butt uh, John Murtor have survived haven't they you know what I mean there's been different regimes but that they've been the one sort of constant in the background of, of the club and I think for my just to give my opinion on this you know for, for 2 seconds I just think the thing I worry about here is the same as a lot of the fan base have said Kieran today is, is this a sort of it, fans are sensitive about it because they see Nicky but and they see him as a strong character. And I think they're a little bit worried that United are going down the avenue of having someone who's Woodward's friend who, uh, you know, knows uh, Ed really well and a concern that this is a sort of yes man move that a lot of people thought when this first, this appointment first come about. I mean, First of all, what do you think about that and what do you say to those fans who may be worried that actually this is just Ed Woodward promoting his mates and actually he's a bit worried about working alongside people who will contest it? Because I think there's one thing we know about Nicky Bult. He's not going to be a yes man for no one. He's a very strong character. He knows Manchester United inside out. He knows what he wants. And obviously now he's being moved on. I think a lot of fans naturally starting to think like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fair it's it's a fair assessment to be honest because you do look at Nicky Button, you don't think that he would just go along with anything. But again, you also have to look at kind of the structure that is in place, and unfortunately, he just he wasn't considered. It seems for for the job. I know there was a there was an article on that in the Athletic today, so I'm just going based off that. Um, so yeah. A lot of fans have are warranted to be able to say that. But again, you also have to take into account that Solskjaer would have been spoken to about this role in terms of who he would like within the club or even outside the club. Mm-hmm. You can tell Solskjaer has a very close relationship with Darren Fletcher, so I would say that could have been a reason as well. And look, Solskjaer played with both Darren Fletcher and Nicky Butts, so he knows the style yeah. The issue I have maybe with Nicky Butt is we don't know what is he like in terms of negotiations, so yeah. how good is he at that versus how good is Darren Fletcher at it. Because, look, the one thing I, I do look at is when I look at some of the signings that have been brought in at the Youth Academy, there is a big shift up the year that Nick Cox comes in. Now, a lot of the development and a lot of the scouting was done under the reign of Nicky Butt but you have to wonder why did it go from united signing one to three players for the youth academy to signing eight or nine from 2016 onwards. so you have you do have to kind of assess this as a whole i think a lot of fans do want to get angry for getting an- angry sake as well because and they the want to get angry Sorry, they want to get angry, Kieran, because it's a club legend, isn't it? We're
0: very sensitive about our club legends, this fan base. And what I will say to people who are sensitive is, look, we are a club that does wonders for our old play ex-players. We've always, yeah. you know, we've found roles for them all over the club, Kieran, whether it, be key, whether it be key sort of coaching roles, whether it be backroom sort of staff roles like Vicky Butts had, whether it be even ambassadorial roles. You know, the club has always found space for ex-players. And I do look around other clubs who have had what they claim to be legends and you don't feel like there's that accommodation for them. So I think we need to be thankful that the club does do this for x players. and sometimes people are just going to move on. It's just part of football, isn't it, Kieran?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, we we can talk here until we're blue in the face about this, but the one thing that you have to look at is you also have to consider what Nicky Butt wants. Because, look, uh, this is where I, where I always come from is does he is his aspiration to become a technical director? Maybe his aspiration was to become the technical director at Manchester United, but I often wonder: is is that his desire moving forward if he's not at the club? And yeah. that's something that I think you have to consider. And you'll know people will know very soon because look, there's been rumours that he's one of the favourites for the Preston North End job. If he takes that, then well, maybe it's just that he wanted to go into coaching, and it makes we're. Re- sense. And then maybe we're reading a little bit too much into it that United maybe wanted to keep him and he wanted to go because it's a very good opportunity for him. It's, it's difficult though. But again, it comes to the point of when you have your kind of development side of football is there's only so many heads of development you can have at one club. Now, that basically the head is going to be John Murtagh, who has a lot of experience doing it. But then at the other side for the academy, like Nick Cox has has been doing a lot of that job. Now he's been working hand-in-hand with Nicky Budd a lot of the time. So there will be a bit of a loss there, but it's not like United are losing some really, really big piece. He's helped build it up, but the fact is it's been built up now to a point where somebody else can take over and very simply do it. What will probably happen is that Nick Cox will just end up doing it for himself and he'll basically take over the two the two jobs. That's what I would assume. And maybe somebody might get promoted within um to be moved up a little bit because that's what United do like to do. Um but yeah look it's it's a tough one because not a lot of people know exactly the reasons and even kind of some of the sources close to the club don't know because it was a I don't think the club expected it to happen i think the club were expecting that nikki but would stay my guess is that some other role has come up where he's decided that he wants to leave and i think a lot of questions were probably asked of why is he leaving manchester united and he had to there had to been some other answer than just another job because it's manchester united and look some of his aspirations always would have wanted to be kind of the director of football or technical director for the entire club but some personalities may not be suited to that or may not be suited to what the club are looking for So the reason why we said before that i was kind of surprised that jose mourinho was selected as manager because it didn't seem like that was the kind of personality united like and you never know they may have wanted a particular personality to be the technical director because look the technical director's is one of their key jobs is showing off Manchester United to a lot of these new players, whether it's the academy players or whether it's um, first team players that might be coming into the club. So, it, it, my guess is that the whole the job was probably given to Fletcher based on his personality and his relationship with Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. Personally, I think Nicky Butt was probably more, more qualified for the position. But again, now, if he was planning on maybe leaving at some point, well, maybe the right hire is to go for someone that you know is going to be there long term.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I agree, kid, And I think it's like I always say, and I always stress this, I think when we talk about player performance and training and who should play and who shouldn't play, it's very difficult for us to see the day-to-day run into what goes on at that football club. And, to, you know, we can credit Nicky, but with this, and we can credit... But we're we're literally we're in the hands of the people that give us the information, and unfortunately, that information is not always accurate. So, you know, I'm not taking anything away from what Nicky Butt's done here. But you know, you look at this reshuffle that United have had and the new roles that they've offered. It's just simply a case of maybe that position that he had no longer exists, and. And uh, like you said, Nicky Butt wants to pursue something else. I mean, that's why I'm really hoping it is here. because I I think that that just takes the sort of thing out of the situation. I'm hoping that in the next few days, Kieran, we hear that he's going to go on and take a new venture. I mean, we've had someone in the comments say, who do we replace Nicky Butt with? But that's the point, Kieran. They probably don't replace him with anyone now because they've now got this new structure in place and they know what they're doing. It might mean that they don't necessarily need a direct replacement, or if they do... They'll sort of um, recruit from within, won't they? I think that's I think that's a good point that you make there. But let's let's have a look at sort of the future for Nikki now, and sort of what's next for him. <laughs> because naturally, when someone leaves a job, the next in the within the next hour, there's all sorts of speculation about what they're going to do next. I think you were chatting to me and Hader in the group chat yesterday, and I think you said he's been touted around for jobs with the FA with England in terms of. Head of Football Development. There, I think a role that John Myrtle had before he came to United. We've talked about that before, haven't we, Kieran? There's there's news in the in the in the UK papers today that he may be about to take a role, on with Wayne Rooney at Derby County. I don't again, I don't know whether that's a a coaching role or, or some you know somewhere upstairs in the background. But what do you think? Sort of, he is suited to Kieran, and what do you think he should be looking to do next, and where do you think he'll end up next?
1: Yeah, I think it goes to one of two ways. I think if you go to, if he wants to stick to the kind of technical director roles, and let's say, like I said, if that's his aspiration for the future, I think if the FA ha- do come in, I know that they've, for the past couple of years, they've been looking for new people to bring in because they've been happy with some of the progress, but they want to continue that and they're tr- I know that they were trying to expand that kind of side of things within the FA, and look, they always look at the bigger teams around the country. That's what you saw. It's usually kind of everything you see. Not not so much Man City as you don't see a lot of it there. You see a lot of things to do with Chelsea, with United, that they try and whether it's to bring them in or to pick their brain. So I know that they have spoken um, to Nicky, but whether that's, getting in like more information from him, how to do certain processes. Cause look, when a, a club revamp an academy system and revamp player development, it's natural for the English FA to kind of dig into that and say, kind of what is the processes to try and improve their system. Um, now should be the other way
0: around, really. though.
1: should be, should it should it be. a
0: lot about the national game that actually they are looking at our clubs in terms of learning ways to do things, where our clubs should be looking at the framework that they're putting in place, shouldn't they, really?
1: Yeah, but it, it makes sense because you look at the clubs, and especially if you look at even the first team, the, the players that are playing for their clubs, they're playing at a completely different level for the first team than they've played for the national team. And that's been the case for as long as I can remember watching England that look, I don't make, I don't make any kind of comments about it. I am never usually the biggest England fan when I'm watching international football and stuff like that, because one, they've always had pretty boring managers. So I don't really like the game, but also they don't use their players in the right ways. And you can see that all the way through up the ranks. And that's the problem. And, that's look, that's why they've been trying to improve it over time. Actually, where one of their main successes was, was when John Murta was was there you saw some of the kind of youth teams for England actually win things. Um, yeah. so that could be an option for him personally. Where I think he'll go is I, I think he will go back into the management side of things. It's an interesting one there with Wayne Rooney. My first. When I heard the news, my first thoughts went to Salford because I, I I'm assuming that look he I don't know that I am pretty sure he has a stake in Salford as well or is it just Neville and Beckham I think I think oh, yeah, he was, no,
0: he is yeah no he's involved yeah I know yeah so, whether he's financially involved I'm not sure but he is involved in the running of the club
1: yeah and I know that Salford have put in a lot of money into their development there since really they said it since the lads took it over Um, and i know their youth their youth systems actually is becoming pretty good in terms of for the league that they're in um so whether he would take up a role there i don't think so but maybe it was one of those that the reason crossed through my head was look this their second manager in a year they're coming towards the end of the season maybe they just wanted to get in a manager that what players have to respect because he's one of the owners. um But then you see the rumors of him being one of the favorites for the press North End. Yeah, you saw the rumors today about him being linked with some sort of role within Derby County. Which, yeah, that one probably works quite well because they've a young enough team. So having somebody else in there would work. And personally, out of all the jobs that have rumored I'd probably prefer him to take that one stay at a relatively high level stay in the championship and kind of improve that way um but again it, it's difficult until you know what his end goal is his end goal to be a manager or is his end goal to be a technical director or director of football that's what will kind of tell wherever he goes next you'll see what he really wanted if he wanted yeah. to be a coach or if he wanted to be kind of the technical director or the kind of front office style jobs?
0: Yeah, because when you leave a job, Kieran, like anybody, it's a chance to reset your career, isn't it? It's a chance to sort of, you sort of drift into a role. So like you said, he was coaching at United and he sort of drifted into this academy role. Not that he he didn't want to, he was more than happy to and he'd he'd done it with distinction. But I think then when you leave a club or you leave an organisation, it's an opportunity to take stock and think, right, reset, what do I want to do next, obviously, and, and where's the best to sort of embark on that? There's a comment coming here from Mimic. Who are the legitimate youth players that could break into senior squad for 21-22? Mimic, I urge you to go and watch, like I said, the first episode of the show that we did where we talked a lot about this, didn't we, Kim? When we looked at some of the most high-profile players in the academy at the moment, that likes of Tere, um, Hannibal Medjbury, Poojmal, we talked
1: talk yeah. about show, didn't we? To to answer the question, like realistically, you're probably looking at Hannibal Mejbri and, and that's it. Because yeah. I know there's there's a comment there about Garner Mengi. Personally, I would prefer them both to go back out on loan for another season. Because yeah. both of them are doing well in the championship. But yeah. they need game time. They can't come back to Manchester United and play seven or eight games a season. They need to play twenty to twenty five games. And that's that's, that's the biggest thing. In terms of Suretire, I still think he's too young and I don't think he's ready um, to play yeah. first team football. You can tell he's quite light and he needs to get into kind of a proper um, program. Personally, I think he should go out alone next season as well and get into the championship because he, he's talented. He's still really young. So that's why maybe they wouldn't do that. The fact that he's only, what, 16? So. I I don't think that they'll send him into the championship at that age. Now, if somebody's interested, maybe they will. Look, the players that are the closest to being ready to kind of break into that first team, Hannibal Mejbrou will probably break in next year and will probably be a rotational player in the first team. You'll see him play 15 games next season. Yep. Ted Mengi has an opportunity. I think he'll stay at Derby County for a year. Um, And Jimmy Garner as well. I think he'll stay at Forest. But let's say United have a terrible transfer window and they don't bring in a defensive mid and they badly need someone, he could easily come back and do a job for them. So being realistic, those are the players. You could, and one that we'll talk about a little bit later that I actually think is ready to play for the first team is Ethan Laird. I think he's probably one of the most ready of any of the players that we currently have, bar Hannibal Mejri. I think he's he's the one that, look, if he didn't break his, I think he broke his arm or he he broke some bone in his arm where he he came back last week, um, he would have played for the first team already.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. Thank you, Vakirin. We've had people in the comments mentioning Chong. I've got to be honest, I've got to be honest myself, Kieran. He's a bit of a forgotten man for me. You know, I was drawing up the plan for this show today and I was thinking about the players on loan, which we'll talk about in a bit. And Chong just absolutely slipped my mind. But it's funny enough, ironically, I did see a snippet from an interview um, from him, I think, done either earlier today or yesterday, where he's sort of hinting at the idea that he might be might be open to the idea of staying at Club Bruges beyond this season, having another year there. I think he himself knows that he's not quite ready for Manchester United yet. He talks in that interview about his end products not there. He knows he's not quite good enough. And and that's good. That's honest of him. But it's interesting to see with Chong because obviously it didn't work out at Werder Bremen for him. I've never really been impressed when he's made the odd step up to United, Kieran. And I've got to be honest, I've not really been tracking his progress at Club Bruges, But if they're keen on having him for another year, he's obviously done okay there. But you just wonder whether, you know, I always think when players have too many loans, Kieran, it's usually a sign that maybe they're not ready to to ever play for Manchester United. But I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, so he chunged an interesting one because he was also one of the first, I think he was the first player that when Nicky Butt Nick Coxbow came in, I think he was the first player signed um, in 2016 as far as I can, as I can recall. um, He's, it's a weird one. He's talented. He, he, he is talented. The problem is he's too thin. He doesn't have enough muscle to play in the Premier League. And I hate saying that because we see so many young, so many kind of quick, fast players that don't need to be kind of quite strong. But the problem is when you watch the way he plays, he invites contact. And, he struggles to get past players because of that. And it's become a problem to where he's okay when he plays, but he never really does anything that you think, oh, he can change a game. And that's the problem. He goes to Werder Bremen and he's not starting there. That's another red flag because... Yeah, because they
0: were struggling last season, Werder Bremen, weren't they? They were in the relegation for most of the season. So if you can't get in that that team, you know, it's a worry, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that that was the biggest red flag when I saw that he was going to Bruges. My first thought actually, when that came out, was like, Oh, did we sell him?" Because I, that's what, that's what I thought was going to happen. Now, if he's happy there, if Bruges are happy with him, yeah, let him go back there for a year. If you can stay there with, with kind of a professional team where you get to be in their training program, that's exactly what you need. So, That like that's that's the thing, and I completely agree. There is he doesn't. When I say you need to kind of build up your muscle, it's not to the point of where we saw it with like Memphis Depay, where he was kind of a little bit scrawny and then suddenly is way too muscular. He doesn't need to do that. It's just where you need to build that extra bit so that you're not being pushed off the ball every time you're taking on a defender, and that's what was happening with Chong And look, whether Bremen was the right decision. Obviously not because it didn't work out, but you would have thought that someone with the way he played would have been would have been a decent show for him to play. And look, it like I said, it's a red flag that he had to move on um to Bruges. But you know look, the good thing is they'll probably make one of the European competitions next season as well that like he'll get to play in. And the most important thing for him like some of the other players we've spoken about, is game time because he was kind of messed around at United where he was brought into the first team but never really got to play. He played a couple of games here and there. And that's the worst thing for a player's development.
0: No, absolutely spot on, Kieran. And the the fact that you talk about there about game time is key. That brings us on to sort of the second half of the show. And and, and this half of the show, Kieran, what we wanted to do this week was sort of have a little look at some of the key players who are out on loan at the moment, how they're doing, you know, whether that development's coming on nicely. You've talked about Ethan Laird already. He's one we're going to chat about. Now, we, I appreciate that we've got players out on loan all around Europe at the moment. You know, people like Chong at Bruges, like we said. Polistri's at uh, deputy Alavesh in uh, Spain. You've got um, Dylan Levitt, who's out in a club in Croatia, which, forgive me, I'm not quite sure of, their proper title but obviously you know so we've got plenty of players at the moment out and loan, but for the purpose of this show I wanted to focus on three of them and um the three that we're going to focus on is James Garner um Tendon Mengi and Ethan Laird now like I said you've already touched on the fact that those guys are having sort of successful loans and it's really nice to see Q because I think When you look over the years at Manchester United, there has been a few success stories, I feel, with loan moves. I think that the club, at times, have utilised it really well. I think they've utilised the loan market really well. There's been other times when they haven't, but you'll get that at all clubs. Uh, But I look at some of the success stories from the past, looking all the way back, you know, in my time, to people like David Beckham, who had a successful loan at Preston North End before, obviously, he came and, uh, and got into the Manchester United team. In more recent history, you've got to look at people like Jesse Lingard. they benefited greatly from loan moves, you know, out to the likes of Brighton, Sheffield, Wednesday, Birmingham, places like that. And then we've also got uh, Danny Welbeck. I think, you know, I remember him having a brilliant season at Sunderland, I think, yeah. before he sort of came back and sort of broke into that Manchester United team. So, United have done really well, I think, with their sort of, with, with loans in the past. And But what I want to ask you, Kieran, you know, when United are thinking, right, James Garner's going out on loan this summer. Tendon Mengi, you know, he's going as well. What are they wanting to get out of these loads? What are they really wanting to achieve by sending players to these different clubs and to these different leagues? I know you talked about game time. That's obviously the main thing. But what else are they looking for while the players are there?
1: Yeah, it actually is a tricky one because we do mention some of those names. And then at the same time, you can probably talk about dozens and even hundreds of other players that were highly rated that either weren't put out on loan or were sent to the wrong place that really derailed their career so this is one of the more complicated questions I think because what the club wants and what's actually best for the player doesn't always happen and that's really unfortunate I think the reason we're seeing a lot a lot better loans now is you actually have people within that kind of development department at Manchester United that have a lot of links to clubs. So it's no shock that, for example, another player that's been really, really good this season in League 2 for Salford is Deshaun Bernard. So having Gary Neville and the likes owning there is always good. You have the likes with Wayne Rooney being the manager at Derby, having Telemenghi go there. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lower-level player that doesn't really get much game time if he went over to even america to go to inter miami with david beckham the more contacts you have the problem for united in the past is that they overvalued their players and they thought that you can just send them out on loan wherever they'll get to play they'll come back and they'll be fine and unfortunately it doesn't work out like that you have to be careful and where you send these players you have to send them to a level that they're actually comfortable with you can tell a lot from where a player goes it was like last season everybody was saying how great um james garner and dylan levitt were playing together but then you look at it and you see james garner's goes straight to the championship while dylan levitt goes to league one to charlton and yeah. doesn't really get his game so you can tell a lot by where player goes. And it doesn't have to mean that your top-level players always have to go to the championship. Look at Dean Henderson for the example. Yeah. He went on two or three loans, and every single one of them pretty much worked out in his favor. But it, it, that that's the biggest problem I have, is that before in, in the past, United weren't actually thinking of the player. They were thinking more of them. And Because, yeah. look, at the end of the day, some of these clubs will pay a certain amount to get the player on loan and at times i have a feeling that manchester United may have taken some of some of those just because they were getting paid a certain amount of the wages to kind of get off the books um while not really looking after kind of the needs of the players now we've started to see that over kind of the last two or three seasons but one of the comments even there you look at it where I think it was Alan says is that did United make a mistake last year with Chung Gomez, not going out on loan. I feel like they made a mistake two years ago with Gomez, not going out on loan. Yes. He was kind of a very small in stature, but there was no reason you couldn't send him out to even Spain or Holland yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to go out on loan and kind of improve that way while they still had a contract Look. United tend to not send players out on loan when they're in the last year of the deal because they want the player to sign a new deal. And the only way to do that is really to have them at the club. That's why often when players go out on loan, you'll see them sign a contract extension before they go out on loan. Yeah. Um, so I think this year is probably the first I've actually been impressed with multiple loans. Usually there's one or two yeah. in a year that I'm like, that makes sense. But then there's others that are are baffling. Like I said it before, sending Dylan Levitt to Croatia, I I don't know what he's going to learn really there because you need to have him in a league that's tough. You need to have him in a league where he gets to learn. And that's why if it was me, I would want to be able to send some of my young players to a very well-drilled team and a team with a very good manager that can actually teach the player something. Unfortunately, I don't think we've done that enough.
0: No, 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 I, I agree. And, you, you know, you look at sometimes where they sent players, like you say, Kieran, and you think, why have you sent him to that league? Like, the Championship yeah. is a very unforgiving league in terms of it's very good quality, but it's very physical. So you know you need to think about who you are in there and why. I mean, to me, Kieran, it's clear why Dylan levitt has gone to Croatia. He's gone to learn Croatian so that when we undoubtedly try and sign Mandzukic next summer on a free transfer, he'll be able to help him settle in, mate, by speaking the language. That's that's the only thing I can.
1: Uh, or when we it. or when we buy Modric a year before he retires. Exactly,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. No, you're yeah, absolutely spot on. Although I think Modric's English is probably better than mine, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, but let, let's 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 sort of look at this, Kieran, and like I say, I just want to look at these three players. So James Garner, let's start with him because he's had a really interesting season so far. Obviously, it went to Watford. Um, he went to Watford sorry, in the summer. It sort of started okay. It seemed he was playing, you know. But I've got to be honest with you, I think Watford's a very tough club for anyone to settle at because obviously we know there's a lot of unrest there. There's a lot of upheaval. There's usually a change of manager, change of structure all the time. You know, it it must be difficult for young players there. So I don't really want to sort of spend too much time looking at it. I want to look at his time at Forest because actually since January he's gone to Forest and there's some rave reviews about him, Kieran. Now he's had 12 games. He's only scored one goal. That doesn't worry me too much because I don't think that that's really Jimmy Gardner's sort of game to be scoring goals. That's not a problem. But what was interesting is, is in the last game against Brentford, he was made captain during the game. There was a substitution, obviously. The club captain went off. That left James Gardner. It was interesting that at that young age, a lone player is given the responsibility of a captain. Now, for me, that says a lot about the man and the player. He was also man of the match in that game. I've just got a few quotes here from Chris Hewton who said that the only thing I can say is that we're really delighted with him. It's not just about his contribution on the pitch, but how he's settled as a young lad off the pitch as well. It's usually very difficult at that age. Chris also went on to say, we're very grateful to United for his services and we've got a good relationship with them. It's difficult to talk about next season because he's not our player. So I think there's a will there, especially from Nottingham Forest, to obviously have him back again. And I always think here, and it's always a good sign when a player goes on loan somewhere and the club are keen to have him again the following year, or in the case of maybe someone like Jesse Lingard, look to make that deal uh, more permanent. So I suppose the question I have on on sort of Garner is obviously he's had a difficult time at Watford, but I think kudos to him. You know, he didn't just sort of sulk and give up and have to come back to Manchester United and have it easy in the academy. I think he pushed United and United pushed to find him a new club. And I think that that's good for him. And, you know, I think it says a lot about him being captain at Forest, like I said. So, first of all, what's your thoughts on Jimmy Garner and how he's doing at Forest?
1: Yeah, he's been doing quite well from everything that I've heard. Look, a, a quick word on the Wafford one. Look, that was a tough one there. The fan base yeah. is pretty forgiving there, or unforgiving there, there. there, where he started off well, but then Wafford's form dipped. And obviously dipped manager got sacked um and a lot of fans turned on him and it's it's difficult when that happens as a young player but the fact that united recalled them were they were aware enough to see that happen and then sent them back out to forest which look you look at even the two i think he he started 12 games for watford for half the season he's been uh Forest now for I think there was a total of maybe thirteen games he could have played in and he's played in eleven of them or he started eleven of them and he came on as a sub in the other one. And the fact he's even that he's played that kind of deeper lying role for Forrest and has scored, it's it's a big thing and look it's the perfect it's the perfect team for him in terms of there's a manager that trusts him. There's a manager that wants to play him every single week and that actually protects him. And that's what you need as a young player when you do go out on loan because it can be difficult. You're going from playing in a team with a bunch of kids for the for your whole career to now being in an adult's team. And it's not easy. It's, it is a transition and people just expect that these players can go and hit the ground running and be superstars, but that's not the way it works. And for him to prove himself the way he has over the last couple of weeks actually really encouraging it's why i say it would be great if we didn't need to bring him back next season because if he got 18 months at a championship team that's the perfect experience that he could get and it is really important and look if you can get a good relationship with a team like Nottingham Forest. You never know when you might be able to send some of your players later on to them because if they're being treated correctly, the way Jimmy Garner has been treated, why wouldn't you want to try and send more of your players to them? So I think I think the manager for their suits, the way Garner plays, he's actually played quite well in the championship to where he hasn't been exposed as a young player, which is, which is very difficult. Because um, you even have to look at the likes of Jude Bellingham, who's played quite well. This season for Dortmund, and yeah. the, you look at some of the games last year for Birmingham, and it's not like he stood out too much. You could see that there was talent there, but yeah. Yeah, look, I think I think it's I think it's important. Um, I think it's important that um, you just keep on just keep on doing what they're doing and just kind of yeah. working it that way. But other than that, I think let him stay there for another year and let him to let them keep developing. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously look, Kieran, he plays in a
0: position as well. I think that's another reason why I wanted to look at him today. Look, he plays in a position that United are quite short at the moment. I feel, you know, they they, they you know it is a position where you can see in the future there may be a space for a younger player coming through. But you know it's it's important not to rush these guys just because they've had one great season doesn't mean or even half a season. It doesn't mean to say that they're obviously ready to take that next step up. And I think it's a really good point that you make there about, you know, Forest and sort of but working with other clubs and building a relationship because you never know when that relationship may come in handy. You know, if you want to buy sell play, buy and sell players, you wonder if United have done a couple of loan deals with Birmingham City in the last two or three years. Kieran, whether it might have strengthened their hand with Drew Bellingham. I know that that was probably more of a sort of player decision, obviously, in the end, where he wanted to go. But, you know, it's interesting. Now, the next player we'll sort of have a look at is Um, Obviously, I mean, this is a player that was making massive waves when he was in the United Academy. People were excited about him. Kieran. People were saying he should be starting in 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 the team, even when he was just playing in the Academy. Now, he's had seven games so far for Derby. Um Five of them are the starts, two of them off the bench. But it's interesting, I think he's become more irregular at late. And um, it was interesting. Uh, Wayne Rooney said that I think he's been really good. He's coming uh, He's coming for some really difficult games like Birmingham, uh, Barnsley away, Wickham away, Cardiff away. And I thought on Tuesday night, which was last Tuesday against Brentford, he was excellent when he came on. He's got a really bright future. And actually, in that game, he singled out. Tendham Mengi, uh, by saying he was the only good player on the pitch for Derby, he was very damning of his team. They lost the game. He said it was a diabolical performance. And, uh, you know, he, he, he made sure that he made point, though, that actually Tender Mengi did very well and he was probably the only great player on the pitch. Rooney also went on to say in terms of his future, he's got a massive amount of potential and it's something that, you know, they would love to do in the future, i.e. keep him again. But they need to speak to United about that because, obviously, they might be interested in in taking another look at him next year, but sort of on tending uh, here. What I find interesting about this is Derby County have been struggling in the Championship this season. It, it's it's it, they've not had a great year. There's been a lot of uncertainty off the pitch and some of the football's not been great on the pitch. But this is different with Menge because obviously he's gone into a team that's not doing very well, and I always think it. It, it's harder sometimes when you're not going into a successful team. We've seen it with our own academy players trying to come into an underperforming team. It's very difficult for them to show what they've got, but I think some credit has to go to Tendon for actually going to a team that haven't done so well, but it's showing up and, and showing its true
1: colours. Yeah, um, I think that's really important. It's It shows character um, because it can't be easy, like you said, to go straight into a team and especially a team that's not really performing that well um, and work, kind of play play well. Look, it's hard to judge him early on because he's only played, I think, what it was it, five or seven games for Derby. He needs a lot longer. Um, so I think what we what we need to kind of see from him is just see how he gets on towards the rest of the season. Unfortunately, the problem with, with Mengi now, it seems, is it's going to come down to what United do in the summer. I yeah. feel that if they don't sign a centre-back, if Eric Bailly wants to leave, you probably see Ted and Mengie be brought back and be part of the squad, which I think, very similar to Jimmy Garner, I think he just needs more time to play professional football where it's in a men's league and it's not against pretty much the same academy teams that they always play against. So him playing for Derby, even if it's a struggling Derby team, it's good as a defender. If your team's struggling, it means that you actually have more work to do, which is actually something that's very important. And you can kind of see where he gets on. The one thing I like about it is that Rooney has – used many different formations and he's played at different positions in that defense and he's been confident in pretty much every game that he's played which is really good from a young player and it's one thing that we saw at Manchester United Look, I'd be surprised if Mane doesn't have the opportunity to make it at Manchester United in maybe two years but I think it's just one of those that we're going to have to be patient with him people freaked out when they heard the kind of the comparisons Early on in the, I think it was either the end of last season or in, into the summer, um. So I, I think it, it does just take time. Um. Yeah.
0: This this is a great this is a great comment that's just coming at you, Kieran. You know, speaking of youngish centre backs, what's happened to Axel to and I remember, obviously, this time a couple of years ago, Axel was coming back from a, an even better loan spell than what probably Tendons having at Derby, and I, I asked them better helping them sort of get promoted and. You look at his development, and it's not—he's not really being able to come from that. It's a really interesting point there that someone makes, and you know you have to look at a tender situation and think that that may be the case again. Especially the fact that United, have, like you said, will maybe be going into the market for a centre-back this summer as well, here, which obviously m- makes it a lot. To them. But that is a great point. You know, you look at Axel, and just because you're having a decent loan spell or, or you're showing to be a quality player, doesn't necessarily mean that the pathway will be there for you when you come back.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because I've always said it that the best centre-half par- partnership that I saw was Axel and Roshan Williams. And now Roshan Williams yeah. is in, I think, League 1 or League 2 now. Um, yeah. I think he's with, is it Macclesfield? I think he's with...
0: Yeah,
1: Macclesfield um, I know he's at Shrewsbury. Oh, right. Shrewsbury. It's Shrewsbury, yeah. sorry. I'm getting yeah. my yellow teams mixed up here. Yellow um, teams, yeah, you're alright. Yeah, on. but... And then there was an Axel, and look, the problem for Axel was early on in his career he got injuries and it affected him like he was at Villa for pretty much a year and just didn't get to play because he was injured comes in the second season and then is playing and then he gets brought into the United team doesn't really get to play and that's the problem like realistically it would have been better off if they just let Axel stay at Aston Villa when they got promoted and play alongside whoever it was Tyrone Mings um. And then he would have played the last two years. Keep him here. Just send him out on loan for the two years and let him get experience. But now what we've done is we brought him back and hardly get to play him. Yeah, and, suppose, and you know, that's the problem. Dean,
0: Dean Henderson's a, another fantastic example of your team's got promoted in Sheffield United. Give him that year in the Premier League. Let him have that sort of years ago, I mean that worked out brilliant for Dean because obviously Sheffield United had a fantastic season their first season in the Premier League but it would have been interesting how Villa would have done because obviously they struggled in their first season back here and you know they nearly went down obviously and if they'd have kept Axel uh, you know with the relationships that he formed it, it doesn't it would have been interesting to see both for his development and obviously for Villa's season but uh I think United probably had designs on him playing. That's the only thing I can think here. But for whatever reason, when he's come back, I know he's had injuries and you have to factor that in. But again, are they seeing something that we don't see, Kieran? Because I think that summer, I think, like you said, the logical thing is let him have another year. But I think there was so much good noise around him that people wanted him back at the club. But it's interesting, since he's come back at the club, it's not really work so but again it goes into things like i've said before Kid, we don't know what goes on day to day do we
1: yeah and look that's why i said and what i have said for ted Emenghi and jimmy garner that i want them to have another season away because it's actually important for them if they get their seasons away and look let's say axel Stayed at Villa for another year or two. Let's say he was still here and he was planning to come back next year and he's what 23 and 24 with someone that would have had two years of Premier League experience and a year of Championship experience. that That's actually what you want. You don't have to force these players in, they don't have to make the first team squad when they're 17 or 18. Look, it's probably great if they can, but not every player is like that. You just have to look at the likes of Harry Kane for Tottenham, he didn't make their team until a, an, an older age. Yeah. We're just so used to the young superstars at 17 coming through, but look, not every player that comes through the academy is going to be a superstar. Some of these players you actually need to give time to, and I think Axel is probably the perfect case study where I think United have really mismanaged his career, yeah. and it not I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to leave because United haven't really done anything that has benefited him over the past two seasons and they still aren't. Like we've seen it, how many problems we've had defensively and we haven't given him the opportunity. And it's it's really unfortunate because he has so much ability and he has so much there that you could work with. I'm telling you if he was in the Premier League with another team for two or three seasons and let's say he wasn't at United, he'd probably be worth close to fifty or sixty million the way the way it goes.
0: And the thing is quite interesting for me again, because I look at Axel and I think he's a bright kid. I think he's an intelligent kid. And I think there are some signs there and you see his frustration. I think he knows I think he's I think he's with you Kieran I think he feels like his career has sort of been mismanaged. But it's very difficult when you're in a big club like Manchester United to get out, isn't it? It's not so easy and especially at the moment with the with the situation we had in the last 12 months all clubs have been scared about selling players and assets because you, you'd not known whether you might may need deeper squads. Well, let's finish off. We've only got a couple of minutes left. And it, well, let's finish off with the one that probably you're most excited about, as you said at the top of the show, and that's Ethan Laird. Now, I think that this this player has got a better sample size for us to have a look at, to be fair. He, he's had 16 games for NK Dons, which is a large portion of their season, to be fair. He's had three assists, which I find really interesting, and we'll talk about that um, in a bit, Kieran. He's been a regular starter with his attacking play really catching the eye, apparently. Um, you know, Russell Martin, who is the um, NK Dons manager, said... We love Ethan, he's been fantastic and he's only improved since he got here. He's really willing to learn, he's coachable and he's always smiling. He brings energy and enthusiasm to the club. If we were able to keep him next season, we'd be delighted with that, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, He said, I'm sure that after this season, United are going to want to have a really good look at him and ultimately it comes down to them in terms of what happens next in his future. Now, the sort of question that I have for you, Kieran, is Will that ability going forward actually mean that, like you said earlier in the show, he's the one that's really worth sort of watching next year? Because if you look at where he plays, right back predominantly, sort of you look at the weaknesses and deficiencies that we have there, you know, with Aaron Wambasaka, who talked about this on Red Devil's Talk, the guys on the football masterclass, Robert Hader, they've mentioned it a lot. If there's one weakness, obviously, to a hackers game, it's getting forward and being creative and, and getting assists. So you look at the stuff that he's in there, albeit in League One, I know with NK Dons, but it's the type of player that I'm looking at here. And it's almost like he would be the perfect rotational option to Wambushaka, because he gives you something completely
1: different. Yeah, absolutely. I I always mention this one story that he was in the same team, I think it was the under under eighteens before Mason Greenwood joined at when Mason was 15 at the time when he joined up and halfway through the season the top scorer in that team was Ethan Laird uh, at right back and that just shows you kind of the attacking intent I think a lot of people expected him to be up with the first team by now Um, unfortunately for him that injuries again have caused him to kind of get set back the good thing is that he's been at MK Dons now 16 games and he's been fit throughout which is kind of the biggest plus I think you can put on him because everybody knows his ability. He's always been one of those highly touted players. Now he's getting a chance to kind of show it. I've said that, look, if United are going to go out and sign a backup right back for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, that's predominantly just the attacking side of things because it's hard to find a defender as good in terms of one-to-one defending as Aaron Wan-Bissaka. There's no reason why you can't give ethan laird a chance because he has more attacking ability than most right backs you'll see in england and it's one that i think he'd be one i would be really disappointed in if we sold him because i think he's one that you would see kind of like johnny evans where you're like why did we sell this player because he's he's been so good like you look at him and he could easily be playing in the Premier League or he can be playing in the Championship week in, week out and yeah. be fine. And it's one where it's the different style. So if you need someone a bit more attack and you put him in, the one thing I'll be looking out for for the remainder of the season is how he comes on defensively. Because if yep. he can improve his defensive side to his game, there's no reason why he can't challenge Aaron Wan-Bissaka to make it because like we said it was Sean Teller's. the best thing that you need is competition and maybe having someone like Ethan Laird come in might actually help Aaron wan as well because like I said Ethan Laird one of his first things in his mind to do is go and attack the defender that's in front of you and that's something that's really you don't see it as much in terms of your your right backs anymore but we're seeing it pretty much every single week. I know I was reading some quotes from opposing managers that they're targeting Ethan Lerch because they see some of the attacking ability that he has and he's been creating a lot of chances for MK Dons.
0: Yeah, no, I'm absolutely, I'm like you, kid. I think that that is the one that excites me the most. Just because I, when I look at these young players on loan, I'm thinking, if they come back, do they have a chance? And you th- you look at some positions and you just think, now nah, you know you, just, you can't see it, but with Ethan there, like you know, United are being linked with the likes of Max Harons. This summer we've touched on before, Kieran. And these players are going to cost a lot of money. If you've got a player here, yeah. give him a go. You know what I mean? I mean, someone touched on it in the comments earlier about you know, in these COVID times, you know, clubs may have to look at their academies a bit more now because it's going to be difficult to go out and buy players. And I think that that is Ethan Laird's a great case in point. If if he can be effective for United next year, there's no reason why he can't be a rotational right-back. We haven't really seen it from Brandon this year, to be fair, when he's moved over to the right. He's not had the game time, but also when he has, he's not quite looked the same as it. But uh, uh, we had some of you guys asking us about uh, people like Dalo and Lingard. Obviously, you know, uh, Lingard, an academy player, but obviously they're a bit more experienced. They've gone out unknown. They're doing great work pleased For them, especially Lingard, it's great to see him doing so well, isn't it? Kieran I'm, proud. I'm, I'm pleased for him,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm really happy to see Lingard do well. He's he's one I've always had good affection for because yeah. I think he, he he deserves everything he's getting now. And look, United still need to be a bit strong here, and they need to get a good deal for themselves because look, he's performing well, so you need to get West Ham to um, you need to get West Ham to kind of pay up a little bit for him because when he plays well and look, there'll be other teams that'll be interested now because you're seeing that he can do it at the Premier League level still. Um, I guess the only other comment there that I keep seeing, and look, I agree with one of Alan's points here, I keep seeing people say that Diogo does is doing well for AC Milan, but yet yeah. when they play their most important game of their season, he's not starting. So yeah. that tells you a lot and you see, I just compare him and kind of Fukayo Tomori who went there from Chelsea who they pretty much said that they want to take up his option already while you don't have the same for same thing for Diogo Dalot La- look um, unfortunately for Dallo, I, I hater knows this as well you got you know this I'm not a big fan of Diogo yeah. Dallo because I don't think there's enough there defensively or even in the attacking sense um and I don't think Solskjaer likes him anyway I think the whole thing is he's just too passive offensively and defensively and unfortunately that might be fine in Italy or Portugal or Spain but it's not going to cut it at the Premier League level because of how aggressive the league does become especially against the smaller teams because they're they're really the games you don't get the space so it's in those bigger games when you can play against the likes of the Chelsea's the Liverpool's and stuff you might be exposed more defensively but on the attacking side of the game you'll get chances to be able to create them unfortunately I haven't seen much from him in the United shirt or even with AC Milan to, to tell me that he's an option going forward yeah.
0: The other worry for me as well, Kieran, when he was at United, was there was a lot of talk about maybe attitude in training as well, yeah. things like that, which is always a red flag as well. And I know I don't really want to comment on that because, again, we're not there and we don't see that. And, again, it's speculation. But if that's true, Kieran, they're the sort of things that worry you because at a big club, if there's one thing you've got to get right, it's your application, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you, but you, all you have to do is you need to look at the actions that Solskjaer takes. Yeah. He didn't play him last year over... Timothy Fosu-Mensah, who wasn't really used to playing right back. Yeah, yeah. That is the that was the biggest indictment of his whether it was his performance or his attitude or whatever it was, because he was he was fit and he was healthy and he didn't get selected. And even in those like FA Cup games where we I think it was the game against what was it, Watford, where we weren't or Norwich, and we basically played our second team and yeah. he I think he was on the bench. So like that's personally I think he's one of those that I think fans do overhype because we signed him in a period of time where he was one of the few players, I think it was the same season that we brought in Fred and the likes, that people just overhyped and thought he was really, really good and then, unfortunately, hasn't lived up to what people expected and people want to believe. And There was a good comment there from Kerwin that for certain youth players and certain even young players, we want them to do well but doesn't mean that they're going to be at that level and it, it, it kind of goes to that last to that last point that Mimic just made about Andreas Pereira watching him in the youth in the youth system I actually thought he would do very well I saw you saw him play quite well for the youth system play quite well when he was with Granada but again some players there's levels to where they can reach and I think playing for Manchester United weekend we get was a bit too high for Andreas Ferreira. I know, I'm pretty sure it was coming out that Lazio weren't planning on bringing him back, or if they were, they wanted at a cut price. But there are other teams in Italy that are interested. So obviously he's made some sort of impact, which isn't something we've heard about Diogo Dallo.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely spot on, Kieran. And like, we said, like you touched on earlier, Kieran, made a fantastic point that, you know, it's all about style of leagues as well. What leagues are they playing in? Does it suit their sort of style of football? And you look at Spanish football, it maybe suits Andreas. Like you said, his, his low move at Granada is very good. Did he have a low move at Valencia? Was it Valencia? Did he? Go yeah, I think it was at
1: Valencia yeah. as well. you know, he, he,
0: made, he made good strides there as well. But again, that's the Spanish league and maybe that's telling us something. And Maybe that's telling Andreas something, Kieran. Who knows? But look, we've, we've, we've touched on some more loan deals here, some more young players. And that, that's why I originally just wanted to talk about three, Kieran, because there are so many we can talk about. And maybe on the next show we do in a few weeks' time, we can maybe look at some of the, the foreign players and how they've gone on. on their, and and indeed, some maybe some of the, you know, like Jesse, who's obviously a bit older now, but obviously is in a on a loan deal at the moment. And looking at their future, obviously coming into the summer like we are soon, their future is going to be up for grabs. So I think that that might be a good talking point uh, for the next show that we do. But for now, Kieran, I think we're out of time. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Your views on the academy and, and everything that's going on around there is always fantastic, as always. And I appreciate your insight, mate.
1: Thank you so much, Joe. Look, it'll be it'll be good to... Continue talking about this as we get closer to the transfer window as well because a lot of yeah. the players that we're currently talking about will get a little bit more clarity on, so it's always good.
0: Yeah, and thank you to everyone who's watched today. Some of your comments have been fantastic. Well, all your comments have been fantastic. We appreciate your interaction and getting involved. If you're watching for the first time, smash a like on the... Well, smash, a, smash the subscribe button, I should say, or oh, everybody, obviously, smash a like on it. And uh, like I say, we'll be back in a few weeks with the next project 21 academy series until then guys take care
1: this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network